at Communitas Church. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We have worshipped the Lord now through song and through our giving. Now we're going to enter into the time of the service where we're going to worship through partaking in communion together. And this is a this is a meal that we that's that's important in the Christian faith, and it's it's a reflection of and in remembrance of the last meal that that Jesus shared with his friends before going to the cross on our behalf. And so what we're going to do is the musicians are going to are going to play a few play a little bit, and I just want you to take some time to reflect. Reflect on your week. You know, this is the time to kind of think in what's going on within your soul. Uh, where are you at? What's your relationship like with the Lord? And this is a, we practice what's called open communion. And so if you are a, whether you're a member here or a member of another church, uh, if you are a Christian, you are welcome to partake in this meal with us. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to we're going to have some time for reflection. If you have kids, it's up to you. Uh, parents, will, we trust that whatever your decision is regarding whether your kids partake in, in communion or not, that's entirely up to you. We're here to support you in that. And so take a few moments as you're ready. Come on forward. We have elements uh, here right in the center and then off to the right and to the left. Bring those back to your seat with you and we'll partake uh, one another. So take a moment and as you're ready gather the elements and we'll take as one in partaking in this meal we move toward unity with one another and with Christ and so when he was there in the upper room he took the the bread and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me Later in the evening, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we're going to continue our, uh, our, our reading in Ecclesiastes. If you've been with us, uh, in the last few weeks, we've been going through Ecclesiastes just chapter by chapter. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there. It is somewhere sort of in the middle. Uh, it is in a, a collection of books called the Wisdom Literature. And uh, if you have a mobile device, feel free to head that way. If you are a little, uh, Scott, Jewel, and Julie have some wonderful things planned for you. You can check in with Sandy and Nicole in the back. And then there will be a door in the, uh, on the, in the far corner there that will lead back to where they have the Sunday school. Uh, there is also a family lounge, uh, basically straight through this wall. So if you have kids that you want to keep in the service, and if they need a moment, uh, we live stream the service back to the family lounge. You can check it out uh, from there. And just a little bit, Nick alluded to the, uh, we've got this installation service coming up next week. And starting next week, we're also going to take a little break from Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes kind of breaks down nicely for us in this way, in that the first part talks a lot about the futility of work, and then the next part is going to talk about futility of wisdom. And uh, we're going to take a break right in the middle there, and we're going to explore some of the elements of our service. We're going to talk about why do we gather? Why, do, why is it that we come together on a Sunday morning and come together. It's a beautiful day outside. Most of us have the day off of work. Why is it that we choose to come here? And why is that so important? And so we're going to talk about uh, some of those reasons. We're also going to go into 
you know, why, why do we give? Why is it that, you know, we have this offering? What does that look like? What does stewardship for the Christian look like? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we've talked for the last few weeks a little bit more about communion. You know, why do we eat this meal together? What's so important about that? It's, you know, hardly, hardly, uh, hardly a meal. It's a, a small, small bit of bread and some juice. What's important about that? Why, why do we that? Also, why do we sing? Uh, why do we get together and, and worship through 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 song? What's what's so important about that? And then also uh, preaching. Why is it that every week these are the elements that are present in our service? Why do we do those things? And we're just going to explore that. We're going to walk through that, kind of come up with an explanation of of broadly throughout church history. What's that? What that's looked like? Why that's been important? But then for us as communitas, right here at a two four Laurel Street. In Brainerd, why have we chosen to to exercise these particular elements of the faith in the way that we do uh, for the, the greater Brainerd community? Uh, so, if you've got friends who are, you know, I think I think it's gonna be a pretty good one for for folks who are just kind of interested, or even I think just for us um, as a group, just to kind of reorient ourselves to, yeah, why, why is it that we do this? Cause I think it's nice every once in a while, you, you know, we gather, we do things and then we kind of fall into certain habits. And then every once in a while, you've got to revisit that and go, Oh yeah, that's why I do this. This is why this is important. Um, and so that's what that's going to be. And then once we will do that for five weeks and then we'll, we'll finish up with the rest of Ecclesiastes seven through 12. And that'll bring us right up to Advent. And I won't talk too much about Christmas because it's really nice outside right now. And I know that some people, you start talking about snow in September, and they get really, really ornery. So if you have either on your mobile device or in your Bible, if you found Ecclesiastes 6, you can follow along. Uh, if that is not your thing, the words will be projected on the screens behind me, and you are f- more than welcome to follow along there. So Ecclesiastes 6. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom wealth, who, to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and it goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is a vanity and a striving after the wind. Whatever has come has already been named and it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For he knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man 
what will be after what will be after him under the sun more cheery words and so as we're sitting here with the with the king right so the last the last few weeks we've we've heard about you know the, the this not that life is is utterly meaningless but that the that under the sun these various things that we pursue are like smoke or a vapor. They're here, but they dissipate and they fade. And then Solomon told us all about his wild exploits, all the different things that he, these wild parties that he threw and these, you know, these, these grand buildings and parks and gardens and things that he built and just kind of this, this monument of, of, uh, of industrialism. And then we talked about how, you know, our, our possessions and our, our, our stuff while good wasn't ultimately meant to satisfy and was supposed to be used for the glory of God and that we're supposed to eat and drink and be in communion with the Lord. And so we're thinking that he's, he's giving us this lecture and we're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to turn the corner. You know, he, he's, starting to, he's starting to come out of it a little bit. He's been ta- the last chapter we talked a little about, you know, God and this right posture and this glory and you're thinking, okay, yeah, all right. You know, we're, we're sitting here in this big house of his and maybe, maybe he's going to turn, turn the story a little bit and it's gonna, we're going to get a little positivity because it's, it's been a little bit bleak. And then this thousand-yard stare comes over him and he gives us Ecclesiastes 6. And we're sitting there and if you've ever sat uh, next to an open casket or been close to a, a mother who is about to bury their child. Solomon's images here start to bring back those memories. And you think about the times that your own tears have wet the ground near a grave. And it gets really, really personal. And all of a sudden you start thinking, did he really just say miscarriage? Did he honestly say that it was better to go through life and not be born than it is to go through life and and not do life well? Is that really what he's saying there? And it starts to kind of eat at us, right? Like it starts to nod our soul a little bit. Sometimes in Scripture we, uh, we don't always, um, it is, sometimes it's, it's a little bit difficult to identify with some of the characters. You know, there, there's about a 3,000-year gap between where we are and where Solomon was. And so when, when, when I first read this, I thought, Man, dude's kind of pompous. Like what? Like that's a little bit extreme, right? But then I start to think about it, and uh, and Second Samuel eleven and twelve. You don't have to turn there, but if you want a little background on on where Solomon's coming from in this, uh, we get a little bit of his story. And I'm not sure how much this was discussed. I know that you know, growing up, I'm not sure what it was like for everyone here, but family histories were kind of discussed. In, in you know, for some families, everything's open. You know the ins and the outs of the family. For others of us, you know, it was, it was pretty closed, and you don't really know. You know, all the skeletons kind of stay in the closet. So I'm not sure what it was like for Solomon, but we we've got a, a few pieces about his life story. And just to summarize, 
11 and Second uh, Samuel 11 and 12 really quickly. Basically, Dave, Solomon's dad is this is this king named David. He's the same David that wrote a bunch of the Psalms. He played the harp. He slew, uh, slayed the giant Goliath. Okay, he was so he's this he's the the anointed king over Israel. And David, from his bedroom window, looks out and he he sees Solomon's mom, this woman named Bathsheba, and she was married to this other guy. And David says, "I don't care that she's married to this other guy. I want to I want to sleep with her." And so they sleep with one another, and then uh, they get and then she finds out that she's pregnant. Uh oh, David hatches this plan, doesn't quite work, and so he ends up sending Uriah to the front, the, uh, Bathsheba's husband, to the front of this battle. He gets killed. Pregnancy comes to term and the child doesn't make it. Um, and then Solomon is born later. So that's, so that's Solomon's, you know, in a nutshell, real quick, that's kind of Solomon's lineage. That's where he's coming from. And so all of a sudden he starts to talk about this and I start to think, man, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if he's maybe not as big a jerk as I thought. I wonder if he's actually thinking about his own life, his own family, his own brother. And because a lot of this is this, in Ecclesiastes, a lot of this reflection on his life, he's taking a lot of his personal experience and he's making these, these generalized statements so that we can all, you know, experience what he's experiencing. He's saying, hey, look, you might not be able to throw the kind of party that I have, but you as a human being know the dissatisfaction of the soul that I'm feeling. And so I started to wonder, man, is it, is it, is he looking at this and he's, I think he's starting to go, yeah, you know, for me to have all that I've had, if I go through life in such a way that I have and I don't do it well, man, like, I think that maybe my brother was better off. We don't know if that's what he's thinking. It was just, um, you know, something that, that we begin to wonder, you know, and he starts to think about this, these notions we see in verse two, wealth, honor, and possessions. And we, there's two things that we have to notice here. One, from whom is wealth, possession, and honor given in verse two? Where do we, what do we see there? It's given to us by God. So in and of themselves, wealth, possessions, and honor are not intrinsically evil. However, Solomon will start to... So when we, when we have this conversation with Solomon, you know, we, start to, we start to ask, so Solomon, you say that it's been given to us by God. It's been, you know, so we know that it's, you know, God gives good things. So wealth, possessions, honor, you know, wasn't that fun? And he's going to say, yeah, fun? Absolutely. It was a fantastic time. Like we, we partied, we built things. If you've ever, if you've ever been to a wedding banquet and I mean like a real good wedding banquet where like the food is mm, on point, the music is just like bumping and you can feel it in your soul. The dance is fun. It lasts on into the night. You wake up the next morning and you're just like, man, that was awesome. You know, like that's what Solomon lived in for a while. And he's going, yeah, that was a sweet time. If you've ever built something, if you've ever fixed an engine, if you have built a house, if you have mowed the lawn and you know that, that satisfaction that comes when you get done and there's a job well done, and you look out and you go, oh, yeah, that was sweet. Solomon's like, dude, I lived in that for years. It was sweet. But was it satisfying? No. No. There's no more, no more satisfying in the long term than, than a meal is. 
I bartended at a, a restaurant in college, and on my last evening there, I uh, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna splurge. I'm going I'm going big because we we had these they serve these prime ribs, and like the queen prime rib is probably the the appropriate amount. I and you know it's like I think it's like 16 ounces or something, whatever it was. And I was like, I'm there's the king. That's that's pretty good. But they got the emperor. I'm going emperor. I mean, this thing like came over the side of the plate, right? I mean, it was, this was a huge slab of meat. And, uh, and I go back and I'm talking with the chef and I'm like, Hey dude, you know, he's like last night, what do you want? He's like, what, you know, I'm, I'm making this for you. And I'm like, awesome, man. Like I'm, I'm going prime rib. I want the mashed potatoes. I'm going to do the salad. I'm going to get that loaf of bread and, uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. And uh, I mean, he hardly cooked this thing, right? I mean, I don't know if you like rare meat or whatever else. That's I'm I'm a rare guy. And uh, so this thing comes out, and I swore that it was about ready to just get off, you know, walk off the plate on its own. And but that's like that's me. That doesn't have to be you, but that's that's what I like. And so I sit down. I mean, this thing is it was great. It was really good. And uh, and I you know I had dessert, and I went home. And I was thinking about life, and it was just, it was a good meal. It was one that obviously you know that's sick, that's been, that's been over a decade that I've had that meal, but I can still remember sitting down. It was especially great because I sat down with some of the other folks. Oh, you're not going to finish that, you know, tall skinny guy. Like oh, au contraire, mon frere, we've got all kinds of surprises in store for you. But in the morning, what happened? I woke up, went to the fridge, probably got some milk. Went to the cupboard, got the cereal, got the bowl. Why? I was, I was totally satisfied and satiated the night before. But in the morning, metabolism kicks in, wake up, it's time for food again. Right? And so some of us can think about that. We've had a really great meal, right? You know, maybe it was last night, maybe it was a while. But, you know, we've had those really good meals, and hopefully you've had some recently, but, you know, where you've been with, with, with people you really enjoyed, or maybe it was, you know, the setting was, was just fantastic, or a celebration of a good ceremony, um, you know, and so whether it was, you know, really good hot food, cold food, you know, just a, a good drink, I don't know what it was, whatever it was for you, you know, like, we've all had these moments where we've got, yeah, that was, that was good, and then Solomon's saying, yeah, remember that, you know that, you know that feeling that you had that good meal, and then... You know, within a, a short period of time, you're going, yeah, I'm, I'm hungry again. And Solomon's saying, yeah, that's the metaphor for life. That's the metaphor for these wealth, this wealth, these possessions, and this honor that under the sun, if you are looking for satisfaction to be derived only in wealth, possessions, and honor, my friend, you have another thing coming and you're going to have this clawing and this gnawing deep within your soul for quite some time. I love, I continue to love what Bob, how Bob said this is we're designed for yes. And Solomon is saying you were designed for yes. You weren't designed to be satisfied with these things under the sun. We are designed. These things were all supposed to point to something far beyond the sun. Invest in wealth and possessions and honor in a way that brings about glory for something in the eternal. For many of us, we're looking for satisfaction. Uh, some of us, we're looking for satisfaction in the future. And some of us are looking for satisfaction in what's been behind. For some of us, we're staring down the barrel of life and we're going, man, this is going to be great. Once I get 
life is going to be grand. For some of us, it's, you know, hey, once I get, you know, we've got a car and we're going, ah, I'd kind of like a little better car. Or some of us, you know, it's, it's tools. We're going, you know, these tools are good. I'd, I'd like to get a little better tools. You know, or some of us, it's, uh, you know, maybe it's instruments, maybe it's decorations, maybe, you know, whatever it is. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. However, when we find that we want to be satisfied with those things, Solomon's like, yeah, that's, that's just not going to work. Something bigger, better is going to come out. There's always going to be someone who makes more money. And the honor that you, you know, these, these great honors, that it's going to fade. You know, like the 2017 world champion of whatever sport is only that champion for that moment. And then the next season rolls around and it's time to start all over. And so Solomon, he's not saying, hey, you know, he's not reducing everything down to just, hey, you know, just you've got to be, you know, sometimes I think in Christianity we, we fall victim to this. Well, we don't want to get too big, you know, too big for our britches. And so we, we, we stay back. Um, I think so often, you know, we fail. It's, it, we're too easily satisfied. We're okay with this cheap substitute. Or we start to look a little bit toward, toward the past, you know, for some of us, we, we get into that thing where we go, you know, we're in a point and we go, yeah, it was, it was better in this, this moment, this setting over here. And so even though on the timeline we're moving here, we're always looking backward, hoping that we can get back to some certain point for some of us, man, high school was where it was at. And we want to just, if we could kind of relive those days for others, college, that was, that was really fun. We want to relive those or our twenties. For some of us, man, it was our thirties were on point. We, if we could just kind of get to the, the way that we related to our friends and, and how we had things there, that would be great. Or man, when we were, remember the 40, in our forties, that was okay. Like we'd, we'd finally had an, enough coin that we could, we could do some of the things that we wanted, but we weren't so decrepit that, you know, whatever. And then we, you know, fifties are like, oh yeah, that was, that was a good time. Or maybe for some of us, it was, you know, just in our sixties, that was, that was okay. And some of us would argue that, that that's a, that's an American problem. You know, we're always looking, we're climbing the ladder, but fail to, to reflect appropriately of what's behind us. Um, or it's a Western problem. And that's, that's maybe partly true, but intrinsically that's a, that's a humanity problem, right? That's been something that's been going on. Our ideal has always been behind us. And if we read in Genesis and the story of scripture, we see that uh, there was there was this couple Adam and Eve and their place in the garden and life was going pretty well for them um, and then they decided that they would rather join hands and have communion with with the deceiver and they were removed from the garden and since then we've been dealing we as humanity has been we've been dealing with these pains of being outside of the garden and we're thinking man if we could just get back to that that would be great the problem is that gate is locked and we can't go back. And so we're wondering, man, what, like, what are we supposed to do with this? And Solomon is trying to wake us up to this notion that, hey, man, you're not supposed to go back. Going back is not the option. This, we're dealing with time here, and time is going forward. And Jesus will say to us, hey, I, I am taking you from the garden. And if you, if you follow the story through Scripture, we start in this garden and, and we're moving through God's redemptive story of how he's continually calling his people back into communion with himself. And Jesus is saying, yeah, the garden was a great idea. 
don't be, but that, that was good. But you weren't meant for good. Your soul is designed for yes and yes to that which is eternal. And, and I want you to think of something greater. Be looking at something that's beyond the sun. And you say, I'm calling you from a garden in Genesis and we're working toward the building of the kingdom of God, the city that we see in Revelation. And it's this great story that moves throughout the whole of Scripture. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know, I, I know that you're, you want to be satisfied with these good things. I know that, you know, yeah, I, 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 I blessed you with, with wealth and possessions and honor some of us more than others. He's saying, yeah, that was all my idea. That was all my design. And if, if there's this clawing and this gnawing that's deep inside of your soul that you can't get over, I did that too. And I did that so that you wouldn't be satisfied in these things but that you would seek to be satisfied in me, in something that is eternal. And so the problem when we, when we continue to, uh, to drive for wealth, when, we, when, we, when this, we, you know, we drive for possessions, we look for honor, is that we become a slave to these things and we end up serving these things. And we work long hours or we don't work enough or we stay up too late or we sleep too late or whatever it is or we, you know, we, we move through these different, um, you know, these different behaviors as a result of our dissatisfaction and we serve wealth, honor, and possessions when in fact we're supposed to be using our wealth, honor, and possessions to serve others and serve the Lord in the building of this kingdom and of this city that he's, that he's cast this vision for and set within our hearts. And so what's driving you personally? Like what is it that's that's kind of gnawing at your soul? Whether you're a Christian or not, this is not, you know, this this is a this is something that God has designed. Like what's what's grabbing you? Like wh- what's causing you at night before you go to sleep to just take another couple minutes and lie awake or what's, you know, in the if you can get to that quiet point, like what what's speaking to you? Or for some of us, it's you know why why don't we allow ourselves to get to the quiet point? Like what are we avoiding? What are we continuing to cloud our world with so that we don't deal with that thing that's that's gnawing at us? What is that thing? Is it wealth? We're looking for something monetary to satisfy us. So we're thinking that, you know, once we get to a certain point, our, our portfolio looks a particular way or our bank account just maybe has more than two, two digits in it, that that's going to satisfy. Our possessions continue to look forward to, you know, the next thing. Is that gonna, ultimately going to satisfy? Is it honor? Is it, you know, is it the graduation from something, the, re, the receiving of something, the winning of something? Is that really what's going to satisfy us? We've all been given unique perspectives and gifts and wiring. Are we using that? Are we using those for things that are eternal? Or are we pouring all this time and energy and talent into things that Solomon is going to say, yeah, eventually it's just going to fade away. It's going to be buried and forgotten about. If we were to meet Solomon on the street today, and we were to have this conversation with him about where we're at and what's going on in our life, 
would we be able to tell him that, yeah, Solomon, I'm actually, I'm, I'm living life in such a way that I'm, I'm in communion with God and I'm looking at things that will, and I'm, I'm investing t- in time and my talents and my energy into things that will last into eternity for things that are beyond the sun. Or are we saying, yeah, you know, maybe your brother was better off. And so Communitas Church, what needs to happen in order for you as an individual and then for us collectively as a body to move toward living the full life which is satisfied in Christ and lived in communion with him? So we have been given grace through Christ's death on the cross. And through that grace and as a result of that death, we've been given freedom from serving our wealth, possessions, and honor. Are you living in that? And if you're not, and if you still feel this gnawing deep within your soul, man, get with some people and talk about that. This wasn't meant to be done alone. We shared communion earlier today. That's a reflection of of this life, right? Like we're, we come together. So with whom are you linking arms and, and doing this with? And who's looking at your blind spots? Because for some of us, man, we're climbing this ladder and we're looking, you know, we're, we're chasing after some things and, uh, and some, you know, noble pursuits, some maybe not. Who's there to look at your blind spot and to say, hey, that ladder is about to fall off that wall. Who's there to tell you, hey, you know, you're climbing up this ladder and it's not getting you beyond the sun. Maybe it's time to come down and try something different. And Solomon is urging us to fear and to obey God. Um, and Jesus is calling us to walk in this life, which simply isn't about just following rules, but it's about following him. He's saying, life in me isn't about conquering the lust of wealth, possessions, and honor on your own. I've already conquered that on the cross. It's about us doing this together. It's about the grace that's in him and finding our joy and our satisfaction and investing in wealth and purposes and honor which will catapult us beyond the sun. So invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to close in a song. Lord, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for your word. I thank you that you've freed us from so much, that you've given us grace and you've forgiven our sins. And God, would we help us to address this gnawing that's within our soul? Help us to look to you for the answers to that which our soul craves. Help us to say yes to you and call us into mind of the ways that we're saying no and forgive us for doing so. We thank you for these people. We pray that throughout this week we would come to know you more and walk closer and closer with you every day.